Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. All right, happy Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. How are you doing? You excited? You ready for the game? Boy, I sure am. I'm excited. This is the, the, the first Super Bowl in my lifetime that I've actually cared about because my team's actually in it. I just hope I'm happy tomorrow. <sighs> so that's why we're going to pray right now. No, we actually are talking about prayer. We are talking about prayer today, as we have been talking about. And if you did not get message notes as you came in, just raise up your hand and the ushers are going to run to you and they're going to give you message notes so that you can follow along. And we've been starting this off every week uh, by saying this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. They asked him, how do we pray? And this is what he said. So this is, this is in Matthew 6, starting in verse 9. Could we just all say this prayer together? Let's do it. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we have been talking about how there are these four dance steps, this, this acronym P-R-A-Y, pray. And we talked about how we should pause. We just need to stop. We need to stop our busy world and actually make time for God. And then once we do that, we need to rejoice in who he is and know him fully. And last week, we started talking about the A, which is to ask. And we talked about how we should ask for others, other people, which is uh, what we call intercession. And we talked about your kingdom come, praying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is a prayer for global change for others. That is big world-shattering prayers. We should pray that way. But today, we're going to focus on another type of prayer, and that is a prayer that we call petition, and that is asking for us, asking for me, asking for the small things that don't seem to matter, but maybe they do, like, Lord, please let the Chiefs win today. Those little, little, little prayers, okay? But here's the deal. God is concerned with all kinds of of prayers. I'm going to try not to get off track as much as I can. I promise I won't. But God is concerned with big prayers. He's concerned with little prayers. And the tendency, I think, for us is to think, well, the big prayers are the, are the ones that matter to God the most. And so we're going to focus on those and we put the weight on those. But what I want you to see is this, is that the small things matter to God as well. Your daily provision is just as important to God as is, is the whole world being changed, okay? And we need to have that understanding whenever we, whenever we ask. I'll tell you a, a story. Back uh, as Karen and I, many, many years ago, we, we had this amazing month in our life where we graduated from college. A week later, we got married. And then a week after that, we moved to, be, to the mission field to be missionaries. And it was a very exciting and wonderful time. But I can tell you, after you finish college, you're thinking about student loans. You have no more meal plan. You don't have a job. You're trying to raise money. You're having a wedding. Praying for your daily bread became very, very real to us because we didn't know where, where our next meal was coming from. And then to top it off, we... 
take our books back to the bookstore to sell the books back that you've hardly cracked open during the semester, <laughs> that you paid $100 for a book, and they'll say, oh, we'll give you $25 for it. And you're thinking, I never cracked it open. Why is it only worth $25 now? And that's kind of disheartening. But the thing that was really cool is inside the little, the little bag, there was a little blue coupon that was for a free cheeseburger at a local burger place called Big Daddy's. And we each got one, and we were so thankful for those free cheeseburgers. It was like, Lord, thank you for our daily bread. Thank you for that next meal that's going to come. And we were kind of rejoicing and walking out of the bookstore, and we went around back to the parking lot. And I guess no other students cared about Big Daddy's because there were little blue coupons all over the parking lot. People had just got their books and they just thrown them out. And we're thinking, oh my goodness, we ran all over that parking lot picking up those Big Daddy's coupons. It was like manna from heaven to us, wasn't it? We were eating Big Daddy's for the next two weeks, morning, noon, and night. Definitely had plenty of protein that week for sure. It was a great week. It was awesome. Here's the deal, guys. We can't domesticate our belief in the power of petitionary prayer. It's our privilege as his kids to ask audaciously and repeatedly for anything that we have need of. And it is God's business in how he answers, whether that be by supernatural means or by any other means, by making a whole bunch of blue coupons fill a parking lot. It's up to him. Give us this day our daily bread, understanding the idea of petitionary prayer. Now, so today is actually all about bread, all right? So I have some bread up here, and what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut some slices of bread. Do you, do you know the saying that says, boy, that's the best thing since sliced bread? I don't really understand it because I've never known a day when there wasn't sliced bread. I mean, but I guess... Before sliced bread, boy, that was probably a big deal to have it be sliced for you. Well, this is unsliced bread, so I'm going to cut some slices for you, okay? By the way, this corresponds with your notes. Number one, in understanding petitionary prayer, first slice of bread is this, is you can write it down, ask small. Ask small. By asking more for lesser things, we discover how to live with the wide-eyed wonder of children. By filling our days with tiny prayers, we relinquish our sense of entitlement and receive each detail and coincidence as minor miracles. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, William Temple, who is the Archbishop of Canterbury in the 1940s, said this. He said, when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I stop praying, coincidences stop happening. So whether or not you understand as a coincidence or not, hey, pray small. When we pray small, we live with greater gratitude. If we only pray for the big stuff, we only occasionally may experience a miracle. Now, so this afternoon, this evening, whenever you watch the Super Bowl, they do this really cool thing now where they, uh, they mic up some of the players. Some of the players are mic'd up. They, they usually pick a few of them. So during the game, you can actually hear what they're saying during the game. And I'm sure they have to edit that a lot. But it's kind of fascinating to, to hear what they say. And I thought, man, it would be cool 
is you could go back in history and hear some of the giants of the faith mic'd up. I mean, can you imagine evangelist Smith Wigglesworth mic'd up? Now, Smith Wigglesworth was known for doing some crazy, miraculous, God using him to do some pretty insane stuff. But I bet if you could hear his prayers throughout the rest of the time, it wasn't always just about the big stuff. It was probably about the small stuff as well. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul mic'd up? Well, we kind of do have him mic'd up because we have a lot, of it, a lot of what he did written in the Bible. But I bet his day was not just filled with big prayers, but it was filled with just the small things. Give us this day our daily bread. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day. Thank you for this next meal. Thank you for this. God, would you please do this? Francis of Assisi, a man that was known to have changed all of Europe and really all of the world simply by his devotion. And he was known for simple, small prayers. He would pray constantly, Lord, I give you my all. You are my all and you are my God. You are my all. You are my God. Small prayers over and over. Just his simple devotion, his childlike devotion changed the whole world, really. It's amazing. Maybe we can pray bigger prayers because we practice praying little ones in childlike faith more often. An amazing woman of prayer, Corey Tin Boom, who was known, uh, most known for her book called The Hiding Place, where she describes her and her family hiding, um, helping to hide Dutch Jews escape the Nazis. They would hide them uh, in a room in their home. Well, they eventually got caught, and she was placed in a concentration camp along with her family. In fact, her sister even died in a concentration camp. But Corey Tim Boone said this. She said, no prayer is too small. No prayer is too small. In fact, there was even a moment when she was in the concentration camp that they were moved to a section that was infested with fleas. And she thanked God for the infestation of fleas because it kept the guards from coming near where they were at. No prayer is too small. Years later, after she was out of that situation and she was speaking in Munich to a, to a group of people and telling about her story of living in that concentration camp and telling of her life of devotion to God and her life of prayer. And she, she, after she was finished, an old man came up to her and he reached for her hand and he said, how grateful I am for your message, Fraulein. To think as you say, he has even washed my sins away. And as he reached for her hand, he introduced himself as a Nazi, former Nazi SS guard who had guarded her at the very prison that she was at. And she said in that moment, she did not want to take his hand because the pain came back. But in that moment, it was time for a small prayer. And that small prayer was, God, let me have your forgiveness. Let me have your forgiveness. She was able to reach his hand, and it was an amazing moment. Folks, no prayer is too small, okay? That's the first piece of bread. Now let's slice another piece of bread. Number two, whenever we pray, we shouldn't just pray small, but we also should ask in Jesus' name. Ask in Jesus' name, which is number two there in your notes. Now, we know John 14, 14 says this. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I 
will do it. Now, make no mistake about it. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is absolutely power. But we have to understand when we pray in Jesus' name, it's not about saying the magic words at the end of the the sentence that makes stuff happen. It's not about that, okay? It's about because we have the name of the person who is God over all the universe and we know him and he knows us. It speaks to the idea of family privilege. Family privilege. Matthew 7, 7 says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for whoever asks receives And the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who asked him? You see, a good and perfect heavenly Father will give good gifts to those that ask. See, you don't have your own name anymore if you're a believer. You don't have your last name. You don't have that. You have a new name. It is the name of Christ follower. It is the name of son of the most high living God, daughter of the most high living God who can can palm the universe in, in his hands, who spoke the worlds into existence. When I know who I am, in Christ. And more importantly, when I know whose I am, I can ask in his name and I can trust that it will be done. It's family privilege. When we speak in Jesus' name, it's, we're speaking for our Heavenly Father. There's a cool story that I read about a man who was getting ready to travel. Uh, worldwide on business for for a a long length of time. And he gave his five-year-old son his phone number and he said, son, you have permission because you're my son. You can call me at any time, day or night, and talk about whatever you want to because he knew he was gonna be gone for a long time. And after he got on the plane and started traveling, crossing time zones, going into different really extreme time zones, he realized, whoa, this might've been a mistake because he was getting calls right in the middle of the night at the most inopportune times from his son and talking about some of the most unimportant details. Hey, dad, I got some new Legos today. Hey, dad, I ate peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch today. But you know what? The dad realized, no, this is my son and he can talk to me at any time. Guys, that's the same way it is with our heavenly father. We have a number (laughs) hotline to him in prayer. And because we are his, we can talk to him at any time. Now, I know that maybe for some of you, when it comes to asking for things, you know, there's probably theological debate about, man, is this important enough to ask? Should we be troubling God? Should we be doing this? Look, it is not our responsibility to know how God answers. It's our responsibility to just be his kids and to just ask. We don't determine the outcome. All I know is that I'm his son and I know what he's asked me to do. And I trust God him. I can ask in my father's name. I can ask in Jesus' name. Number third, number three, and the third piece of bread is this. This is kind of starting to make me hungry. Didn't make me hungry in the first service because it was not close to lunch, but it's getting there now. Okay, we can ask with persistence. When we pray, we can ask with persistence. There's a great story in Luke chapter 18 of a widow who was not receiving justice 
And so she was petitioning and pleading to a judge who was very unjust, her case. And she was, apparently she was wearing him out. And she kept asking and asking, and he really didn't want to have anything to do with her. But here in Luke 18, verse 3, it says this, grant me justice against my adversary, she would say. For some time, the judge refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I see that she gets, I will see that she gets justice. And then verse 6 says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting it off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and get it quickly. Persistence. Most miracles take years. Why? It's because it's persistent prayer over time, over time. It's that prayer list that just, it's always there. That name that you have worn out that you, you almost just, just flies off your tongue. Oh, I know that name's going to be there. It's persistence prayer. God suddenly happens slowly. You know, it's impossible for us to grow in faithfulness if all your prayers are answered instantly. As we endure delays and disappointments, our faith expands into faithfulness. It's maybe, maybe a little bit like exercise. You got you to gotta get some reps in. Okay, you got to build that muscle, build the muscle memory. You got to put some reps in. Maybe, maybe persistent prayer, you can think of it as like, like building those muscle memory faith muscles. It's just building it over and over. And really, if you think about it, the answers to prayer, there's really only three. It's yes, no, or not yet. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Or maybe think of it this way. It's like a, like a, like a stop sign. It's, it's either a green light, a red light, or a yellow light. And here's the deal. Green and red are pretty easy to deal with. If it's, if it's a yes and amen, it's a yes and amen. If it's a no, okay, we can, we can deal with that. We get that. There's something that we don't understand or maybe we don't know. It's the yellow that's tough. That's the place of persistence. That's the place where we have to have patience. That's the place really where our faith expands into faithfulness. I'll give you an example. D.L. Moody, who was an evangelist, and he was the founder of the Moody Bible Institute. You may have heard of him. It is said that through his lifetime, he carried in his pocket a list of 100 names. And it was 100 names of people who were not believers. And he was faithful to pray for that list every single day. And once they became a believer, he would cross off the name from the list. Now it's said that by the time that he died, that list had 97 names crossed off of it. Now that is persistence in prayer. And here's the cool little ending to the story. Is at his funeral, the last three gave their heart to the Lord. At his funeral. Ask with persistence. And then number four, the final thing, final slice of bread here, and maybe the most important one of all when we ask, is that we need to ask in faith. We need to ask in faith. We need to pray in faith. Now we know 
The scripture teaches Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And it's hard to pray for things that we cannot see. It's hard sometimes, but that's where the faith comes in. Now, we've got to understand in the first century when Jesus taught them to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Okay, we have to understand that literally for them, it was praying for daily bread. They were daily wage earners. They did not always know where their next meal was coming from. And so it was, it was a prayer of incredible faith. Now, for us, if we were to be honest, we are very blessed. We live in a culture and a time in history where it's not usually daily bread we're praying for. It's actually monthly bread or annual bread. And really what we're talking about is, is provision for our needs. It's we're talking about money. We're talking about salary. We're talking about career. Can, are we going to have enough? It's our earthly needs is kind of what we have in mind when we think of this, uh, this daily bread type of thing. But what I want you to understand is this. Whether it was first century or now, there was a deeper principle that Jesus was trying to get at in the heart that he wants to get that we so easily miss. And we can find this story in John chapter 6. It's, it's really cool. You know the story. There were 5,000 people that had gathered and they had heard Jesus. And, and it could have been many more than that because it says 5,000 men. So maybe that didn't include the women or the children. So there could have been a lot of people, tons of people that were bearing down on the disciples and it was getting, they were getting pretty hungry. And, and here in John 6, in verse 5, it says, says this, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Now it says he asked this only to test him. For he had already in mind what he was going to do. In verse 7, Philip answered, well, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite to eat. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Now, I think these two guys would answer the way that we would answer. Big crowd, we don't have enough money, we don't have enough bread, we don't have enough provision, how are we going to do this? They were looking to the natural. They were looking to what they saw. Now, we've all been in places like this in your life. Maybe you're in a place like this right now. I'll never forget, there was a moment in my life when I was at a place where I saw something very similar to this. I worked at a church one time that for Easter, years ago, we had a guest speaker. Not uncommon, but this was a, kind of an unusual guest speaker. The speaker was Tim Tebow, the football player in and. Tim Tebow, back in those days, and maybe he still could, he draws a big crowd. A lot of people want to hear what Tim Tebow has to say. And we had this Easter service. It was out, it was out on this, this, this big grassy mound, and it was set up like a concert. And we really don't know how many people came, but it was over 5,000 people that came. It was a lot of people. And as they came in, it was no problem because they came in gradually, and they sat on this hill. And I remember looking, thinking, this was awesome. Now, I was in charge of the greeter team and the exit team. It was great. We greeted those people so well whenever they came in. But when they exited, I got really scared because they all started to leave at one time. I looked up this hill at 5,000 people and they turned around and they're all walking right toward me to exit at the, at the same time. And I'm gonna tell you what, I thought of this story and I thought, oh my gosh, Jesus, we don't, we don't have enough. We can't, 
we can't get these people on the buses quick enough. I mean, I was scared. I wanted to run. <laughs> I wanted to go the other way. I would react just the way Philip and Andrew reacted. Can't do it, God. It's not enough. Doesn't ma- the math doesn't work out here. Doesn't add up. Of course, we know what happened is they took the five loaves and the two fish, and it was more than enough. Everybody was full. All those people. God did this amazing miracle, and there was nothing wasted. In verse 14, the people were in wonder about this. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Now see, the people still missed it. They looked at this miracle and all they saw was the bread. They saw, wow, this guy is the ultimate meal ticket. Let's make him king because he can make bread to fill our bellies. This is amazing. This is the guy that we need to make king. It's, it's supernatural. It's wonderful. It's amazing. But here's the thing. Jesus wanted them to see something deeper than the miracle. And here's what it is. This is John 6, verse 31. It says, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, Jesus was saying, it's not about the provision. Yes, we need provision. Yes, we live on the earth. Yes, we need food. Yes, we need clothes. But you are his kids and he cares so much more about that. What he's looking for is the faith that is in your heart to say, Jesus, you are my all. I trust you for my provision and I trust you for way more than that. He's looking for some faith in the earth. When God's your dad, you don't have to worry about bread. You don't have to worry about that because he's got your life in his hands. He, Jesus, is the bread from heaven. Philippians 4, 6 says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts in your minds, in Christ Jesus. Why is it that we have peace? Is it because we said the prayer? No, it's because when we say the prayer, we know our Father and we know he's got it and we trust him. And when we trust him, when we have that faith, we have peace that passes all understanding. Matthew 6, 30, 31. So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things. You know, so many people in the world around you, you see them every day, are running after all of these things. They might not admit it, but really that is what the heart is after. It's running after all the things that we can accumulate around us. And Jesus says, look, I know you need it, but I've got so much more for you. I am the bread that comes from heaven that can fill you to where you thirst no more, where you hunger no more. And he says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you 
as well. Ask small. Ask in Jesus' name. Ask persistently and ask in faith. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11. See you next time.